It's the circle, the circle of life. That's his singing voice, not his talking voice. That's going to ruin all the. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen. Yeah! 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 Welcome to Publish, Perish or Podcast, your opportunity to look behind the scenes of science to see who science subscribes to on YouTube. I'm Andy Stapleton and joining me today are Cameron Schmoopy Shearer. Hi. And Christopher Teabag Gibson. Namaste Schmoopy, namaste BA. Hello. You love YouTube, Gibbo, don't you? I do. What have you been YouTubing? Just my huge, my huge. What's your huge? Uh, I like the Joe Rogan podcast. Yeah. I like the Sam Harris podcast. Yeah. Wait, he said YouTube, not um, podcast app. You can watch podcasts on YouTube. What? Why? Is that better? Yeah, I don't know why. I mean, I, I like listening to podcasts obviously as well, but I, I kind of like seeing the people's faces. I can't deny it while they talk. You're a video person. I guess, yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, you know. Video Kill the Radio Star and all that sort of thing. That's yeah. my era. So I do like to see people talk. I yeah. can't deny it. That's good. That's good. Shmoopy, what do you... Are you a YouTuber? Uh, occasionally. Yeah. I had a pretty good YouTube retinue uh, living in Germany when there wasn't retinue. much English language television to watch. What was the What was the word you just used? Retinue? What the fuck is a retinue? Uh, group. Mm-hmm. All right. A grouping Good. or assortment, according to the Oxford English Dictionary. <laughs> Which is Thanks, you. Thanks, Chris. Thank you. Uh, but now I listen. I watch often some things which will analyze TV shows that I watch. Oh, they're oh, good too. To yeah. get under yeah. the like the, yeah. the main thing. Yeah, or I to, like that. Yeah, or movies that I watch. So I new rock stars, the ones who do pretty good ones on Game of Thrones yeah. and Westworld, which yeah. are two Very of the good. biggest shows that yeah. I watched recently. Mm. And I don't mind... Some ones which don't update so much anymore, like Minute Physics or CGP Grey, who are more oh, yeah. about explaining things yeah. Um, yeah. for a general audience as well. I also watch PBS clips on YouTube as well. PBS clips. Which is all about it's American news. Oh, okay. Yeah. Good, good. Um, my you, favorite, Yeah, well, thanks for asking. Yeah, we want to know thanks what you do too. Uh, my favorite thing at the moment is... I love Vice. I can't get beyond their documentaries. Really? I can't get... I, every mm. time I'm on YouTube, it's either that or win and fail compilations. Oh, okay. very good. My favorite thing. So, like, documentary, analytical, or just so stupid. Ooh, videos of people doing VR or videos of people on roller coasters. That's good. Oh, going, ah, when they can't see. Sometimes yeah, yeah. they cry and often they pass out. No, that's <laughs> really that sounds good. good. That sounds wow. good. What do you think uh, science... Would subscribe to Schmoopy? Oh, good question. Well, easy one is it would subscribe to everything because it wants to know everything. everything. And it would on. be able to do that because I'm sure it could absorb all of it at once. Or you say that science doesn't really have time, but maybe science, it's focused so much on science and understanding the world around it that it just wants to watch YouTube to just relax for 10 or 15 minutes. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And it kind of wants to watch something relatively mindless. So it wouldn't go for a documentary series or one of the more educational types. You think it would be watching like I think cat videos? Yeah, we're going towards cat videos, fails, right. mm. um, 
things like that. I, okay. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Great. I think science would actually watch YouTube for a bit of a laugh. Bit of a laugh. And have a bit of fun. But it wouldn't be watching comedy. It would be watching like PBS Space Time. It would be laughing at our attempts to understand it. Mm. Mm. You're like, no, nah, they got that wrong again. Ha ha. See, well, I went through a stage where I really liked watching like pseudoscience things. I really liked watching uh, fortune tellers get called out on their wrong predictions. Oh, yeah. Or um, people being called out. So James, uh, is it James Randy? James Randy? Never The magician. So he was a skeptic. He used to go around and just debunk all these things and embarrass people in front of like an audience. So he, I don't know if he ever did Yuri Geller, you know, the spoon bending thing. Yeah. But I feel like science would get a sick pleasure, you know, like alone. Oh, yeah. Just sat at home going, there's a logic to that. Yeah. This is, this is great. Look how embarrassed they are. So that's how I think they'd follow, science would follow. Very good. News of the week. I was about to join in. Ah, well, you do you reckon you could get the? You guys have been harmonising quite a bit tonight. I think that's within my wheelhouse. Yeah, great, great. Um, all right, so I'll go first. Um, at the moment, the entrepreneurial spirit is alive and well in me. Good. I'm uh. So much so that I feel like I'm doing something bad, which is I'm trying another idea. Oh, why is that Another bad? idea? Another idea on why the market. Is, well, is it a good one? Well, because people say you should focus. Well, I think that kind of creativity is a great thing. Great. So what they say is you should focus on one idea until it just doesn't work or it does work and then that's it and then you'll know. Yeah. But doing it half-assed, i.e. having all these side projects can just just get in the way, mm. distract you. Mm. The idea is codeless apps. And so, you know, uh, bubble.is, the platform I use to create verbalize.science? Of course I do. But for those who don't know, perhaps a brief explanation. So bubble.is is uh, not a sponsor of the show, but well, they, this, Mate, that's right. No, the end, yeah, that's right. Not Could at the, the moment. Future. Not at the moment. Um, but yeah, so it's codeless programming. And codeless. I've benefit, benefited so much from using their website and their services. I thought, hang on, I could train other people in how to do this, other entrepreneurs, other people. So I'm running a workshop in two weekends time. Oh my God. I've uh, I've got 20, so I've got free uh, room hire from the, the Innovation and Collaboration Center at UniSA. It's not an issue. I'm testing the market. I've created my own website, codelessapps.org. Mm-hmm. And how many tickets do you reckon I've sold? To my workshop. Right, didn't you already 10. say 22? Well, I've got 22. 30. Like, no, I've got 25 uh, spots. Six. Then 22, because he's slipped with the tongue when he said 22. 33. Well, I've sold zero. Ah, ah. damn it. Yeah. So it's a bit of a, like, once again, it's you go out, you test the market. Is the market ready? Do they want it? If they do, great. You sell loads. But Adelaide is apparently very bad when it comes to booking early. So I'm going to give it one more week. If this time next week, Codeless Apps does not have at least five people, I'll be canning it. 
Well, that is very creative. Maybe at some point you could tell me how to maximize creativity such as that. Why are you always about your creativity? You're I, confusing me. I don't know. Because he's leading up to something. Something um, him, yeah, right. Is there a cost for you? Uh, why not just run it if there's one person who happens to come? I'm charging $195 for the first five tickets. Okay. So if I get, like, that's $1,000, right? So... If if I fill those, I'll be like, great, that was a great experiment. I've now got some leads as well that would maybe need my help in the future. Um, so if it's one person, I don't know, man. It doesn't seem like, because I've, I've still got to yep. create some of the resources uh, as well. Okay. Anyway, so I shall keep you updated on Codeless Apps. Verbalize.science, oh, it's been a slow start to the year, chaps. I'm really struggling to keep my momentum up. Hang on, didn't you have a... a- huge start to the year yeah. well metric meeting two weeks ago yeah what are you talking about well, that's massive no i'll tell you what you're right you're right to call me out yeah because well, i expect <laughs> things to go quickly because i had a great buzz at the beginning uh-huh. like okay this this two customers like another two customers on the road like murdoch uni uh sa government all these people now it's about chasing people Mm. You're expecting that pain sort of in the success ass. constantly. Yeah, man. all the time. You're and addicted so for the last, to success. I am. I am. But for the last two weeks, I've just been like sat around now, like just calling people, being like, hey, do you remember me? Okay. Like so we had fo- a follow up call. Follow up is a massive pain in the ass. Mm. Sitting um, around in your pants. But let's go back to what you said at the start of the year is yes. your goal. Uh, was it you're going to do everything in your power to get, I can't remember what it was. You got to, you to get got to five customers around. or something like that. Yeah, yeah. You got to turn the negative into a positive. And so, yeah. Uh, and yeah. you know, there's going to be weeks where that happens and where that doesn't happen. Yeah, but I need to keep trying. Goal is just five customers because you're yeah. not going after the little easy fish. No, you're going after the big groper, the, the whale, gr- the grope, <laughs> as I like to <laughs> call <Oops>. it. <laughs> you're going for the biggest fish of all, the megalodon, the megalodon that's right. shark. <laughs> Um, but a, a good thing Sharks did happen. Fish, yeah, yes, they are. mammals. What are they? No, they're not mammals. Are they like dolphins? Are dolphins mammals? <laughs> dolphins yeah, they're are mammals. mammals. Yeah, aren't sharks? Sharks so? are a kind sharks of fish. Sharks are sharks. No, sharks are a fish. Shit. Look it up, Cameron. Um, but uh, so yeah, so I'm chasing people up, and you're right, gents. I should be saying I'm trying everything in my power. I'm chasing people up, but I've got to keep on going. Um, I did meet up with a professional conference organizer who is one of the biggest conference organizers for the health and medical sciences in Australia. And he hinted that he would want an exclusivity deal with Verbalize.science. Then it's been successful. You're doing well. Yeah, but no one's giving me money. It's Mm. it's weird. Like I'm doing loads of work and I've sent invoices. They've paid them. Is this this how you ask for money? Are you asking for for a loan? I mean... That just sounds like a week in the entrepreneurial life. Yeah. I know, it's entrepreneur. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so look, in one reflection, things aren't going too bad. I was, I was coming in to make a complaint, but you're right to pull me up. Keep on doing that. You're Keep far more awesome than you think you are. Thank you. Gibbo, what are you oh, up to, mate? Me. All right. Um, we're leaving the best till the middle. Here we go. <laughs> so, paper accepted. Whoa. Yes. Whoa, congratulations. Thank you. In the journal, surface topography, full colon, Metrology and Properties. Nice. Impact Factor 2.074. Nice. Co-authored with the famous 
Cameron Shmoopy-Shira. What? Woo! Here I am. Well yep. done, you two. So my question I, uh, is... cheese slash termited my way onto this paper. Yes. <laughs> nice, nice. <laughs> I forgot about the termite, yeah. <laughs> there he is. Um, um, so who's yeah. the lead author? Uh, first author is... Oh, I forgot about this. Yeah. Christopher T. Pause, no bag. Gibson. What? Yes. First author. How long How long between first author papers? Well done, Cameron. You knew I'd look that up, didn't you? It has been the first time I'm first author on a paper since 2007. Gibbo. Whoa. Get it on Burbside this week. I'll do your video by this time next week. We. Um, I need, you, you need to help me with, you need to brand me, my yes. friend. Get that hot poker. Yep. And brand me. So has it been published? Uh, it's been accepted. Provisionally Great. accepted. This is the this is the time, right? So right. that when you when it comes out and it's released, then you can send it to your institution and say, Hey, I've got this new paper and I've got a video. Yeah. That's what Ooh, you need to do. I like it. Well, I've got others too. Um so we had a bit of a story with this one. So uh took quite a long time to get accepted. It bounced yep. around a few journals. And I looked it up. It got first submitted on the thirtieth of the third, twenty eighteen. So Whoa. 10 and a half months ago, wow. bounced Jesus. around, then finally got in. And we had a little bit of a struggle. We had to, we put up a little bit of a fight. Good. And it, uh, anyway, got in. So Initially rejected from that journal, wasn't initially it? Initially rejected, but the referee's reports didn't give us an outright reject. Mm. So we fought. Good. We fought and we won. Well done. Yeah, anyway. Nearly finished, nearly done. Let's get the Peapop Most Relevant Scientist out of the way. Oh, competition. I like you do it with that robot voice on the thing. I like that. <laughs> let's um let's get the let's get the big cooner out of the way. Schmoopy right. leading the pack with 1.1. 1. 1. Woo! There you go. 1.1. 1. 1. There you go. Early start. We all know who the competition is really between. <laughs> Someone you just had a paper. Yeah, mate. <laughs> no, you did Oh shit. <laughs> Two are coming out. <laughs> oh, it's going to drop. Well, yeah. no, you'd had quite a few self sites actually in that this will make most up recent for it. one. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. Reckon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A few Andy sites as well. Actually, yeah, you are going to get some sites out of this. Come and on. And you will probably not publish anything this year, so this could Come bring you on. ahead. Yeah, yeah. I'm helping All you. All right. Thank you. you. Thank you, Gibbo. BA. Yep. 0.71. Ooh. Yes, that's a big one. You've almost reached your number of papers for the year mm. already. Me, 0.91. Whoa. Oh, you're, you're in. You've yeah. had a... That's a good start. Yeah, 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 it's going good. So anyway, while it's going good, I'll keep reporting it. When I slip, then you, <laughs> then won't, you won't hear from the people. All right, well, look, I, I'm pleased that uh, it at least reflects the fact that I am a, uh, the person <laughs> in this room that hasn't been doing sciences now. The uh, science... Science. Science. You have a non-trivial score, I have to yeah, say. It's not yeah. bad though, is it? It's very good. So uh, that's me. Boom. Boom. Shmoopy. Another story quickly on science support services Ooh. at the university working well. What? Oh. This is a this a is good a, story. Yeah, a good story. Come on, we Excellent. need complaints. That's what we want on this podcast. <laughs> oh, I'll get to some complaints. Okay. <laughs> I'm sure you will. <laughs> So tomorrow, a grant that my name is on as a CI will be submitted. Excellent. Brilliant. As a ARC, Australian Research Council, special research initiative to combat the problem of PFAS, which is a toxic material found in many um, industrial and defense uh, sites throughout Australia. So we've got a grant going in based on that. Cool. Excellent. Um, I have somewhat 
um, cheesed slash weaseled my way into this particular grant application. Mm-hmm. Good. So I haven't done a lot in the writing of it. It's headed up by University of South Australia, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. different uni to where I work. And so I haven't really been talking with any research office to know what I'm supposed to do. Okay. Uh, At the same time, I've been quite busy with the other arena grant that was due to be submitted a few weeks ago. Yep, so that's the Renewable Energy Grant. Yep. yep. And I've also just been trying in between all these grants to do some work yeah. or write papers. So I found out this morning that I needed approval from the university that I was allowed to submit this research grant. <sighs> so the first one, because you're on it but you're not the lead yeah institution you still yep. need their permission i still need mm. my institution's permission and it is it does kind of make sense because i do say in it that i will use the facilities to do some research sure okay um and so what i had to do is find a way to get something signed by the deputy vice chancellor of research within a day Shit. Ooh. Pressure. So everybody just told me to go to his office. Uh, just <laughs> and not. Get it hello. He's going to have a wall of secretaries, isn't he? Like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I didn't do it that way. All right. But I thought I should go through the research services office of my university. Yeah. I sent them an email saying, "Here's the grant. Here's the here's a form I need signed by the, the by the vice chancellor. How can I get this done as soon as possible?" Mm. I got no reply within thirty minutes. Uh, and now this is also the time when lots of grants are due. Yeah. So oh, yeah. the research yeah. service office are really busy. They're rammed. Mm. They are. I called them. The phone didn't ring. I just got an automated message saying... <laughs> um, we are very busy. Yeah, we are. This is who we are. If you want to talk to us, leave a name and number and get back to you. I never, ever do that. So I just hang up and yep. I kept calling them back. Yeah. And then I know I have the phone number of someone, of the boss of the research services division. Mm. I called them mm. and their phone rang a few times, but then I got the message saying that they're too busy and that they wouldn't come to the phone. So they, they pushed cancel. Maybe. Ooh. Or it got to the seven rings or something for oh, it. Oh, yeah. Maybe. Uh-huh. But at 3.30 today, I got an email saying that it's going to go through to the head of school and then yep. it's going to go through to the DVCR after the head of school approves. Oh, God, what a paperwork. So the, the email mission. did it then. The email did The email did was it. the thing that did it. Yeah. The phone calls, phone they calls never nothing. answered the phone, yeah. mm. which I think normally phone calls are the best way to do it, but it didn't help out yeah. with some other stories. Mm. So now this grant is a three-year grant and my role will be to supervise a PhD student who'll do the work. My contract oh, okay. My contract ends in 3 months. Yeah. And then this grant won't kick in until 2020. So 9 oh, months, shit. 10 See, months from now. But do you get any money for supervising? Is that No. The, oh. So you you need to be around for free yes. for three years. And so there was a small hang-up with the head of school oh, yeah. in that whenever you submit a grant and you, you list the, the chief investigators, yeah. you write down what time equivalent I am going to work on this grant. Yeah. So I'd written down that I'll work 0.3 full-time equivalents on this grant. Right. A day and a half. A day and a half on the grant. Yeah. Um, you're, you're very quick at working out what... Thank you very are. much. <laughs> <laughs> But 
I don't have a contract that would actually mean that I work in there. So yeah. I had to by email confirm that I will work on this grant 0.3 FTE, even if it means that I'm working uh, pro bono for the university in that time. <sighs> the alternative the, yeah, is the alternative just not is be on the grant. I don't go on the grant. Yeah, and the thing holding, I think, yeah. holding me back from progressing in my career is I don't have a history of, of successful of, grants. Of successful grants. Yeah. 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 Yeah, what can you do? I mean, you played it as best you can. Yeah, so, and, I, and I'm already really just pushing the limits of eligibility by saying that I'll work for free. Yeah, yeah. Because if I don't say that, the university wouldn't agree that I could to put sign it in off uh-huh. because, or else they would they would be compelled to pay me that zero point three that they say I'm going to be working there yeah. for. Oh well, well, we'll see. Fingers crossed, you get the grant, but also that something else happens after that, right? Yeah, because this is going to have to be a double barrel win for it to be truly you, you, successful. Yeah, you do have you have a future fellowship in, don't you? Yep. And they should come out October, November. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So I've still, I've got three sources of funding. Yeah. In the pipeline that will pay for my own. Yeah. Um, so arena. Salary. Is one yep. future fellowship, and yep. this one you're talking about? No, and then we there's a, a second arena. Oh, okay, cool, great. Well, fingers crossed, Moops. Thank you. Keep us informed. Yeah, man. Good luck. So I've got um, another one. I want. I need some advice on uh, whether I've been rejected by email, science rejected, or <laughs> do I need to science try harder to get to get a relationship All right. going? We're here to advise you, Moops. So I'm having trouble calibrating an instrument. <gasps> okay. <laughs> it's not a cantilever, Chris. You uh, can't help me with right. this. Okay. <sighs> not as excited as... I got I told that there is an expert in doing exactly what I want to do and he's only two or three buildings away. Oh, he's in Adelaide. Oh, great. He's at the uni. At he's the university. Walking distance. Yeah. You so probably I, walk past him. So I had a few emails like, hey, could you help me? Something like that. And he's right. what exactly do you want... Uh, calibrated and I explained it. He said, yep, no problem. I can help you with that. Then I wrote, I'm reading verbatim. Yep. Tell me if I've done something wrong here. Do you have time to have a look at the instrument and I can talk you through my current procedure? So, you know, come around, have a look. And then I wrote this afternoon, tomorrow or next week, question mark. That seems reasonable. I mean, if you can't find, what's that? It's like a week and a half. Yeah. If you can't find time in a week and a half, or at least respond and say no, mm-hmm. then so has he not responded? So I got a response. Ooh, good. Reply one. I can get over early next week if that's okay with you. I got a heap to do tomorrow, but we'll hopefully break the back of it and should be good for giving you a hand later on Monday. Hmm. All right. Great. So Monday happened. Oh, this is oh. this has been and gone. <laughs> oh, God. Very good. Monday happened yeah. and this person didn't arrive. Oh no. So I wasn't sitting there holding my hands all in your, all in your Sunday best. <laughs> yeah, wearing my Sunday best. All right. So on Tuesday or Wednesday, I can't exactly remember. I wrote, Hi, name excluded. I should have organized this better last week. Can we set a time to talk about the QMS calibration? I am pretty free for the next week except Monday morning. All right? So I'm, I'm, yep. I've gone, You've, I'm trying to be a bit more specific, yeah. but I'm still not 
pegging them to a to some time zone. I yeah. think I think that's reasonable to ask of name excluded. I think that's <laughs> All right. Then the person wrote back. Sorry, I got snowed under too. Next week is fine with me. I'll check my calendar and send an Outlook meeting so we can lock a time in. Yep. Thumbs up emoji. Great. Oh, that's that sounds positive. All right. That was a week ago today. <laughs> <laughs> Oh God! This is this is all in retrospective, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. So he never sent you the outlook. Never got sent an outlook with an exact Uh, time. Okay. And I am like um, Lauren has not given birth yet. I haven't put that in my news. Yeah. (laughs) I do have a bit of a ticking time bomb on my hands with my availability. Yeah. Uh, So uh, this is a similar thing. You can't force anyone to do anything, but you can. You have to put a carrot in front of them. I, you think I'm gonna say I'm gonna I'm gonna have a, a some cake in the office on next yeah, Tuesday? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> find out find out what this person loves, even if it's like Pokemon or something like that, and be yeah. like, oh look, I've got a Pokemon, a really rare Pokemon card <laughs> in my office. Yeah, um, I, I often it, leave oh, bits I'm, of money lying around <laughs> because I'm asking them to do a calibration. Yeah, it's like there's no like paper carrot. On this, if that's what you're yeah, going to say, right. should, like that's your regular science. Sure. Carrot. Yeah. I just want them to give me ten or fifteen minutes of advice, and then we'll probably go our separate ways. Oh, <laughs> makes it sound so sad. I just don't know how to call up on their obvious um, shafting of me. This is like the when you're dating someone. Like, how long do you wait to, to call them back? <laughs> Have you it's got like, his <laughs> number? This person told me they'd call, they'd email me. <laughs> you're feeling rejected. Uh, I don't know. I feel like I could find it. I know their full name and they are an employee at the university. This is one of those things I think Australians and English people like to be liked. Mm. So you don't want to be that asshole that's like calling up and being like, you said you turn up. But maybe it's time for a little bit of an American twist and just be like, hey, man, we've missed each other twice. Let's set a date now. Yeah. All right. Keep us informed. It's time for Topic of the Day. Topic of the Day. Yeah. The topic for the day is Gibbo. The topic of the day is... Here he said that bit. Oh. Well, I'm, saying, right. I'm saying it again. <laughs> topic for Top the day, Gibbo. Is... Publishing as you, you go. go. Publishing as you go. Go and where? Well, this is mainly, uh, should you publish as you're doing your PhD? What are the advantages? What are the disadvantages? So what, when you say publish, like, should you, what's the other option? Uh, not to publish as you go. And do it all at the end? Or not at all. Oh, shit. Mm. Is that even an option anymore? Well, not really. You should definitely publish at the end. Because I've heard about... Right, what's, why should someone publish all, publish all their papers at the end if, if they don't want to stay in science? Uh, that's a good so question. So they get to the very end and they're like, well, I've got my PhD, but I'm not really up for yeah. this whole science malarkey. Why should they publish papers? I guess there's no obligation on that person. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a proof that you did something new. Uh, isn't the PhD a good summary of that? Yeah. But yeah. it can it can't be considered sort of like broad dissemination of knowledge though. That's true as well. PhDs are not as easily accessible no. as publications. I'm no. playing a bit of devil's, devil's advocate here because I am definitely in favour of publishing as you go. Are you? I am definitely All right. for so lots where did, of reasons. You said you talked with someone about this. What, what 
Oh, I talk to lots talk- of people usually about these things. Uh, it's always, it's a topic that comes up every now and then. So I'm in, I'm you know involved in a couple of group meetings yep. usually every week or two, and there's a lot of PhD students. And so one thing that does get brought up every now and then is publishing as you go and the advantages and disadvantages of it. It's mainly advantages that are talked about. Right. Disadvantages are kind of a little hard to come by, I think. I think this is definitely something that most academics would definitely push. Yep. Now, would students really be interested in it? Maybe they would see disadvantages to this. I'm not sure. Well, just to, I think early on, if you just say to a student, all right, you're publishing, it'd be so confusing. Like, what on earth does that even mean? What does it, how do you write a paper? Like, there's a huge learning curve initially. Absolutely. So maybe publishing as you go should be practice early, but get the majority of your stuff out in the last year. Oh, you mean the papers? Yeah, because otherwise, otherwise, like, I mean, no one teaches you how to write a paper. You just read a paper and try to make yours sound like the other ones, right? Is that what everyone else did? Did you get trained? That's in? how I started, yeah. Yeah, that's how I started. I just read papers in the same field and tried to copy that format. Yeah. So publishing as you go, I don't, yeah, it wouldn't work for me as a equally over the whole PhD, but in the last two years, maybe, sure. So let me take uh, this tack. From the supervisor's perspective, is it good for them, for every PhD student they supervise to publish in their final year? Or is it better for them to publish as they go? Uh, I don't think it really matters. Look, you you said before that one of your papers took 10 months to publish or something, right? So I don't think it really matters. I think it does. I think it's it's much better for supervisors if their students are publishing as they go. Because 10 months is an example of a paper taking a long time. Yeah. There are plenty of publications you can get out within six months. These days. I think that's definitely possible. I think the 10-month thing is like a... So a supervisor doesn't... Like 10 months of their career is a very short amount of time. So they probably can wait that long. And if if all of their students are publishing at the end then it kind of still means that they average three or four or five a year, whatever that is. But the 10-month, if there is a 10-month delay and you're trying to publish it after you've already done your thesis, this student then has left the university most likely and then that means that those 10 months of writing, the communication is more difficult, you're not getting face-to-face meetings and so writing is much harder. Yeah. The other thing is that for grant writing, grant, uh, academics are writing grants every year. So they need papers coming out every year. So mm. if you've got a PhD student who's sitting on an important piece of work that you want to include in a grant, especially to improve your track record, and you have to wait till the very end, that could impair the grant writing you're doing up to that point. See, I think you're looking at it from a supervisor's perspective. I am. And so obviously that makes complete sense if you have students and like the language that we always use is like the student should do the work, produce the paper. Obviously, there's a lot of work on the supervisor stuff. But really, is it in the student's interest to be publishing early, quickly? I'd argue not. Uh, I, I think it is a good idea. I mean, I, that's what I did. And it helped me when I had to write my thesis at the end. Yeah. I already had peer-reviewed publications under my belt. Also, when I went for my job, I already had six or seven papers already published. Was your area the sort where you could do, I say, look, I'm going to make it seem like it's trivial, do a few experiments and write it up? Because I think a lot of places like physical chemistry, I think whatever you get, you can normally write and, you know, data is data. But a lot of 
PhDs like organic chemistry and I imagine the biological stuff where you have to wait for like, they might take a while I mean I, I can't I can't rule that out as a possibility yeah. some areas of science you might have to wait three or four years before you can actually get enough results to publish and also in the first like two years isn't that like where you've you don't want to be like you've got your whole career to be lumbered and weighed down by publish, 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 publish. I, you know, the first two years of your PhD should just be explore, go do wonderful things. And most of it won't work. But the one thing that does work will set this, sow the seed for the, the final two years. These days, I don't think so. I think you need outputs and you need publications, certainly at the end of it. And if you wait till the end to publish, it's going to take too long. Mm. So you'll be competing against other people who've got six or seven papers or more these days yeah. and they're looking for jobs and they're looking for postdocs and you're there still writing up your first mm. paper. It's mm. going to be very hard to get a job against people like that and that's the reality for what PhD students are competing against. Mm. They're not competing against their, their, um, their own cohort. They're competing against everyone around the world. Yeah, yeah. And it does, for me, it helps me write my thesis. It was like I had these papers already published. So it was like a chapter, each one, say, yep. for example. The figures were done. The analysis was done. I had to expand the text. That's true. And it, what that wasn't trivial. But it just it really helped me to get it done. Shmoopy? Mm. Oh, I did a bit of both, actually, with when I wrote my thesis. So I had published a few papers. But I think one chapter I wrote first for the thesis and yep. i then tried to do the old convert a chapter of the thesis into a paper yeah and i think i've said on the podcast before but that chapter is published in my thesis in one way and then we got some reviewers comments back oh, from the publication right. yeah. and we found out that we made some mistakes in the experiments and we yeah. had to repeat them and then we found that we couldn't replicate the results that we that I'd put in my thesis. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. So, okay. I mean, there's a good one for publishing as you go. You get the the good feedback as something where you can change. Mm-hmm. I think it looks good too if you've already got peer-reviewed papers. I think it's the reviewers when they see that are a bit more impressed. So your referee, I think, is, is possibly going to not be kinder but at least know, oh, this has actually been through some other scientists They've before. They've taken it seriously. It's been published, you know. They might, you might actually have an easier time getting reviewed. Yeah. But I did hear from someone who did, who, who their attitude was publishing as you go um, slows, well, they believed would slow down the progress of a PhD student. They would be spending their time writing papers and that would slow down their actual um the progress of the pitch. Yeah, I know. Do you know what? Like, I'm slightly leaning towards that, I think, more than you two. I don't know. I guess I look at it, I look at it this way as well, is a student and a supervisor kind of enter into an unspoken agreement in many ways. Ooh, what's the unspoken part? Well, it's that, you know, supervisor will provide guidance and supervision and will help the student, you know, learn how to write papers, do experiments, you know, uh, but also help them become an independent thinker. Yeah. And provide lab space, desk, computer, a huge amount of stuff. Sometimes even out of a grant, they'll be expected to, they'll actually pay the student out of a grant, Mm. um, which they've spent a lot of time writing and and winning that grant. And so I think it's not unreasonable to expect in return something from the student. So what can the student give the supervisor? What does the supervisor really need? Publications. I I hate publications. When you talk about it like that. 
It makes them worth nothing. <laughs> I disagree. I disagree entirely. So they're like a, they're like a debt that needs to be paid. Is that why you don't like? I'm them? not like saying it's a debt. I'm, I'm, that's not it. What I said. A debt implies that you know you've done nothing to get get that back. You're you're giving this student a huge opportunity. I think what makes it awkward is the unspoken part. Well, some groups don't speak. It's not unspoken in some groups. Some groups actually, you know, they have like not a written agreement, but they talk about this a lot and they would say, yeah. that, you know, I expect this is what you're going to get from me and this is what I would like in return. So I've been on the thing, you know, don't try to change the world, just change you. And I think that that was part of my like, I didn't know at the time, but I was like, fuck science, I'm out of here. I think I didn't like this bit. Huh. Like, I just, yeah, I think there's something wrong with it. The, the, working so my supervisor above me you know like brings in the money does all that awesome stuff but that expectation of you know i remember sitting down with one of my supervisors and it's like five papers a year and i was like i've just like i've been here for a week mate but that's look i'm not saying that's how supervisors should approach this yeah if you're going to sit down with a student and say you need to publish five papers a year you're asking for trouble mm. i think that's unreasonable mm. i think certainly if you're going to be that that demanding about it, you're just going to turn the students off. Hmm. But I think some expectation that if the data's there and if they've, you know, they've done the work, some expectation that it gets written up and published, I don't think that's unreasonable. Yeah. Given the amount that the supervisor, if they're doing a good job, is giving the student, getting something back, this is the world. This maybe is how that's, it works. Maybe that's the little caveat, like given that's, that's what they're meant to be doing. Yeah. I don't think I know of many very good supervisors. Maybe that's why in bigger, better places like Cambridge, do are our academics more involved? Do they are they the ideal supervisor? So I can tell you right now, I I, I saw lots of examples of bad supervision. Yeah. Because right. often in places like that, they may not even be as involved in their academic career as someone at a smaller university because they might have a spin-off company. So mm. I saw plenty of examples of students who weren't being supervised effectively. Mm. And in those situations, there is no incentive for them to write papers for their supervisor. Mm. unless they, you know, And they might in those situations be bullied into doing it. But if you've got a good relationship with your supervisor, they're doing everything they can for you, providing as much as they can for you, I don't think it's unreasonable. Yeah. And I think it does help the student in the long run. Right. Shmoopy, you're in your transition period. Is there any? Is there a different thought process now that goes? Have you noticed you thinking more like a supervisor for publishing as you go, like, or maybe thoughts have come into my head? Yeah, that it'll be nice to have this publication out before this grant, so that I have some evidence that I can do what I say I'm going to do. Yeah, uh, but really, often even if I have these plans, the reality are that these things get published when they get published. Mm. Have you, are you starting to get desperate for like a team? Do you, can you see the benefit of having a team of, I don't know, PhD students or students under you that would be pumping out data and writing papers for you? Um, I don't know. I, w I am desperate for a highly functioning, perfect team where <laughs> I, all I need to do is say a small bit of like a, have you tried turning left? Yeah. <laughs> it's not even a chemistry term. Yeah. Uh, and then that fixes everything. I'd love yeah. for me to just have to just, you know, um, glide in and glide out <laughs> every now and then. But yeah. um, how to get to that point, I'm really not looking forward to because I think it's going to be really hard to get this core group of good PhD students mm. who will then guide the next group to be this 
and again, a good core group of PhD students. I, yeah. I don't know how you, if you have a group of students and you're just laissez-faire, publish when you feel like it. I think you'll end in a, end up in a death spiral. Mm. People need incentives to do things. There you go. That's me done. Our next section is science this, where we use our transferable science skills to science the shit out of an everyday activity. And this week, the activity is two things because of a miscommunication (laughs) uh, via email. Cameron and I will be doing human (laughs) reproduction and Christopher T-Bag Gibson will be doing creativity. Gibbo, how do you science creativity? Well, funny you should say that. Because you were being very creative before. Thank you. So, um, yeah, I, I didn't put a massive amount of effort into this, but I think it's going to be amazing. All right, do it. Because I'm a pretty creative person. So lots of things can make people creative. All right. All right. There's lots of things you can test. Is it going to be drugs again? You could use drugs, sleep, um, distraction, all these other things apparently watch. One of the things I read up said you could watch a podcast to help you become creative or listen to a podcast. Wow. Get the neurons firing. But I was thinking, I mean, there's lots of things you can test, but yeah. how do you actually test creativity? <sighs> do you give people drawings? Nope. To do? You could. You could. You give them a challenge like, hey, you have to build a bridge with only these bits of spaghetti. Possibly. All right. But there's a well-known one developed by J.P. Guilford in 1967. Mm. And it is the alternative uses test. Stretches your creativity by giving you two minutes to think of as many uses as possible for a paperclip. Oh, I've heard this. Uh, A lady that we used to work with, um, a lecturer, she did the same thing with something from her office with her master's or honours students. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, I remember her doing it. So there's lots of things you can lots of things you can experiment with, but I suggest we do the paperclip test. All right. But not two minutes. I think two minutes is too long. What about thirty seconds? All right, thirty seconds. Did you bring a paperclip? I didn't bring one. We need to be able to see it. (laughs) No, you just have to mention all the different uses you could have for it. All right. Our time. Uh... Are we we're going to yell them out at each other? Is that? No, we're going to go around. I'll do thirty seconds. You do thirty seconds. But what if you take all the good ones? Well, Well, that's the that's that's going to be the. I'll go last. Do you want to go first? So you you guys can. You go second. You guys can take all the good ones. Okay. Ready. Oh, have you got a stopwatch on your phone? Yeah. Do you know how to work it? I'll give it a go. Okay. 30 seconds. Uh, holding paper together. Um, opening, <laughs> opening a phone SIM card. Very yes. good. Yeah. Um, I feel like as well you could put it on a hook and hang something from it. Good. Um, you could fetch something out from underneath something. Like you could stretch it out and use it as a hook to grab. Uh-huh. You could use it as a nose picker. You could use it as a... Because they float on water. You could use it to, to measure the height of some water. Okay, I'm done. Uh, measure it... Yeah, so float it in water underneath another piece of metal and use it as a magnet. Mm. Uh, not a magnet, compass. a uh, compass. Um, I would you use it to connect two bits of wire together to finish a circuit that would otherwise be broken. Alright, that's very good. Um, Use it to 
dig a very small hole in your, <laughs> <laughs> in your garden. Go give her. Uh, pick your teeth with it as a very small eyebrow cone, <laughs> as a nose picker, so as a toe picker. Just um, stop saying something and pick. <laughs> Uh, you could also use it as a very small spoon um, <laughs> or as a weapon to kill Ooh. someone if you could go at the carotid artery, hit yep. that really hard with a thing. A very small dart. Um, and lastly, you could put it in your hair to hold your hair back. Ooh, that's a good one. Boom. There we are. One minute, 30 seconds. Well done, guys. They were all pretty good. Yeah. So that is how you test creativity. Okay. And that is all I've got. All right. <laughs> Good. That was a fun game, though. Yeah, I thought, I I thought the it. game would make up for the fact that I didn't really have any good science in there. <laughs> well, that was good. All right. So, I didn't do creativity. Uh, <laughs> I did human reproduction. Uh, so, I'm going to be creative with my human reproduction answer. That's what you, yeah. That's right. Okay. Um, okay. So, I did a little bit of Google researching, and I found a book which was titled... The End of Sex and the Future of Human Reproduction. Oh, that sounds like it would answer your entire science this for you. So I'm just going to read the first thing. Let's see how it goes. Yep. Okay. Oh, you haven't read it until now? No, no, until now. I'm going to make it up as I go. Okay. After this. Okay. So the first uh, paragraph is, within 20, maybe 40 years, most people in developed countries will stop having sex. Whoa. What? For the purpose of reproduction. Uh, What's it published? Uh, it was 2008 or something like that, I think. Okay, 10 years from now. Um, instead, prospective parents will be told as much as they wish to know about the genetic makeup of dozens of embryos, and they will pick up one or two for implantation, gestation, and birth. Their own embryos? I, well, that's what I think it assumes. Okay. Um, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't just be some, some just like the cool. shelf good ones? Yeah, I, well, uh, that brings me... And it will be safe. Lawful and free. Oh, free. It says free. In this work of prothetic, prothetic scholarship. Oh my God, I, what's that word? Henry T. Greeley explains the revolutionary biological technologies that make this future a seemingly inevi- a seeming inevitability and sets out the deep ethical and legal challenges humanity faces as a result. But that got me thinking, Shmoop. You sparked on the same thing that I sparked on when I first saw the headline, which was, why does it just have to be between two people? I'm in a, like, the embryo. I don't think this is where I went. Oh, okay. (laughs) Wait. The embryo. Animals. Animals. You're going to raise an animal. (laughs) I'm going to raise an animal. That's right. (laughs) Just buy it fully grown. So, all of my, you got a good point. (laughs) All of my friendship group, for some reason, apart from you guys, don't want kids. Are we? So we're your friends. Uh, <laughs> I said friendship group, and like that's kind of like a series of concentric circles that get bigger <laughs> and bigger. So you're on the, you're in there somewhere. I'm, I'm in a circle. Yeah, you're in oh. one of the circles. Thanks, man. Is it um, a virility issue? Out of all of our friends, well, with mm. me, there is no way to know mm. because one of our friends wow. has had a mm. vasectomy. Oh. Um, he, yeah, they decided they didn't want kids, had it done. He's 34 or something like that. Um, other members of our friendship group just, yep, no, I, no interest in, they can be reversed, you know, vasectomies apparently. Yeah. But apparently they're not very successful and it's painful as anything. Snip, snap. Yeah. Snip, snap. Um, but that got me thinking about my friendship group. Yeah. Like what if though, like we could all handle, like we don't want children. 
but mm. maybe the friendship group could handle a child. A shared mm. child. A yeah. shared child. A shared child. This sounds another one of your communist ideas. Oh, yeah. uh, is it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> shared all... lunches, <laughs> shared <laughs> child. Yeah. What happens when, when all of you at once don't want to <laughs> share the child? <laughs> Off to well, the gulag. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Off to the gulag with you. That's son. very communist of you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, Poor kid. So I was thinking, okay, I feel like what we should be doing is all of our friendship group have things that make them better. There's a, their novel aspect of the friendship group. Okay. For example, our friend Jared pay, plays drums incredibly well. Voice Rom. He's he's the drummer oh. for Voice Rom. Watch him on Andy Manor. No, Band Camp. Band Camp. Damn it. God, so close, Gibbo. So <laughs> close. Even, uh, my chance to impress. <laughs> so what I've done is I've listed what a- I think my friends have. Okay. And then what we're going to do is select that DNA, put it into a single embryo, yep. and then let that grow into the best child that we all can produce whoa, whoa, together. Whoa. So all, all of your DNA is going into this child? All the different aspects from each member of our friendship group. Yeah, There's probably I'm, about- I'm not convinced that would produce a super child. Not convinced. No, no, not super child, but just- a child that has got aspects of all of us, so we all love it. The best of you. Oh, the, the best of us. Oh, you, uh, Would you it be want, the best? You think that is that important to love a child? <laughs> You're about to have a child, I hope so. <laughs> no, 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 but the fact that you have to see something in it, in you that... I think so. Now, to, like, I see other people's kids and I go, that's a cute kid, but I don't have any... I don't have any feeling. Yeah. But I've been told that when you look at your child that has your like facial features or your I don't know, mannerisms, uh-huh. that something changes. Gibbo? Uh, yeah, but anyway, getting back to your... your, your, your yeah, getting back <laughs> All to right, your, fine. What, yeah, no worries. What if, the, listening. What if no. the child gets your... Uh, your cranial region. Well, no, because we can we can select for that. That's the science, yeah, isn't well, it? Well, I'm not convinced. What if it gets your pointy nose? What's wrong with it? my pointy nose? What about your thin neck? <laughs> hey, we talked, we about, talked this. about this so over lunch. Your, your thin neck that's relatively thick compared, compared to, to my body. body. Would you still have affection for the child if it had all those? Yeah, probably more so because it's me of reflected. The dis- of the disadvantages it would have to have. Jesus, you're mean tonight, Gibbo. <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. No, it uh, would be a lovely child. Wouldn't it? Wouldn't yeah, it? Yeah. So, uh, Cameron and Chris, I've included you guys in it. Oh, thank you. Um, oh, you're going to tell us something good about us. Hold on. Yeah. You, you want some of our DNA? What yeah. are you talking about? I'm going to scrape the inside of your bum, <laughs> get some cells. You don't have to get I cells have, from there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's where, no, the, no, no. That's where all the good cells come from. I've got lots of epithelial cells in my cheeks. No, no. I scratch the inside of your colon and I oh. get some cells. <laughs> anyway, so I'm going to... Cameron. Oh, from you, I really like the fact. I really like that you're a great scientist. I think you're a diligent, oh. motivated scientist, and I want any okay. child to have that aspect. You think there's a science gene? I think there's yeah, like a thinking gene, like a something mm. like that. You would better be want brilliant. something good from me. <laughs> What's it going to be? He's What's jealous. it going to be? Here we go. This is going to be good. It's your big Roman nose. Oh, <laughs> I shouldn't have said all that thin neck stuff, should I? And that the cranial stuff and the nose thing. I shouldn't have said Gibbo. that. Gibbo. Yeah. I would love for the child to develop a strong back like you. Oh, thank you. 
so that it can carry loads of keys around its uh, neck. There we go. There we go. There we go. You haven't worn keys, right? Although they're here. No, they're here. I do. I do wear my uh, my chunky keys a lot. But I did say, look, because you were mean to me, I changed it. But I did say your science <laughs> skills and hair. Oh, thank you. Science skills and hair. And Cameron. You just got science skills. I've got better hair than him. I got science skills and hair. Well, you've got density. Yours is yours is thin, too thin for my child. You got thin, not thin. I want a competition. <laughs> you heard, it, you heard it here, guys. The bromance is on the rocks. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, other friends. Uh, Arnold. <laughs> What are you going to get from Arnold? I want Arnold's Labrador-friendly personality. Oh, he's very friendly. Isn't like, he so yeah, friendly? He's friendly um, guy, Amanda, yeah. uh, a friend of mine, uh, she, her approach to life, she gives, she like, she is, I go over her house and she's like got it all sorted. Doing, She does bees, she does flamenco, she tries things, she just out there, she rock climbs, she um, she mountain bikes. Multitasking. Multi, just does all these things. I'm like, that's incredible. Um, Jared, we talked about his musical ability. And also, uh, he's incredibly analytical when he thinks. And I think combined with Schmoopy's science skills, we mm. may be on and to a hair. winner. And your hair. <laughs> <laughs> we may be on to a winner. Fair enough. Fair um, enough. And hold on. What's he going to get from you? Come on. So what I really like about my body is my kneecaps. <laughs> <laughs> No, he's going to get a slender gene, aren't they? They're going to be nice and slender, like, slender. but not too slender. Like, they're going to be able to build up a bit of bulk. Mm. I haven't mm. got any friends that have got bulk, though. Mm. That's the problem. Mm. Hey, hey, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Hold on, man. No, but go. old Gibbo used to have bulk. You don't have bulk now. You've got mass now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a mass monster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway. Um. Anyway, well. so that's how I'm doing it, is we're choosing the best things of a group of people and exponentially increasing the goodness okay all right fair enough does kate listen to the podcast i should have said something about kate yeah. didn't I? <laughs> do you want to say it now no <laughs> kate's generous spirit <laughs> i'll get that one yeah. kate's forgiving spirit kate's <laughs> forgiving even better her ability to forgive anything uh, literally anything uh shroopy all right Andy, you talked about gene replacement. Yeah. So it's basically the addition or uh, replacement of desired genes, mm. perhaps to uh, help out the health of a growing baby or to produce superhumans, <gasps> which is something that you are going yeah, towards yeah. over health. Superhuman above health? Yeah. 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 I don't know if that would be superhuman with your knees. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen your knees. I don't think you don't. You're not a. Uh, Mate, you don't wear shorts very often. I've never had a knee problem. Ooh, thank okay. you. <laughs> That's but your I'm, slimness helping you there. So anyway. I'm not going to discuss what genes could be put into someone, but I'm yeah. going to discuss how genes can be put into a, a cell. Great. Ooh. Um, and so I'm actually going to use my transferable science skills. Do it. So. To put a gene into something, you need to be able to take it from outside of a cell and place it inside of a cell. Mm. I know where this is going. I am a world-leading expert, Yes, according to my grant applications, on carbon nanotubes, yep. which are a cylinder of carbon one nanometer in diameter. Which you could suck stuff up through. Could suck stuff up through or place on the end of, oh. and they can be up to microns long. 
the perfect dimensions as for a small, as a nano syringe slash needle. Mm. Mm. So, so you like, like or a nano siphon. Are you saying that you put genes, you plug it in one side and then plug the other side in another cell and you let like diffusion Ooh, take over? That's better. That's very good. Yeah. So I actually did this in my PhD. Oh, cool. Not the way that Not Andy said the, yeah, with right. the diffusion, but I would make a surface of pointy carbon nanotubes, yep. deposit DNA on top of it, yep. and then put cells on top of that, hoping that the DNA on top of the nanotubes would then get in, will then infiltrate into the cell. Mm. And so the DNA that we put in was called a was called green fluorescent protein. Yep. And mm-hmm. so what it did was it would make the cell nucleuses able to fluoresce green. Okay. And so we know that this kind of thing has worked. If the cells are alive, they start to reproduce. And, and then green subsequent bits. ones still express this green thing because mm. as the cell divides, it just can recreate anything that's inside its nucleus. Mm. Uh, and so uh, I think we got it to work once or twice, but the cells would often die. Oh, <laughs> they just like leak out like a burst balloon or something. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, so they weren't mm. they weren't really surviving long enough to uh, replicate. Mm. Uh, and so our next step was to do electroporation. Ooh. So this is using an electric field, an oscillating electric field, can have the same <sighs> effect where it kind of makes water go in and out of the cell so quickly that it can make very small ruptures. Right. And then when during a small rupture, DNA or something in a solution can then go in inside the cell. And then it heals up. And then it heals up mm. because of the, the way that it's doing. Carbon nanotubes are very are conductive as well and they're pointy. And electric fields are very strong at the apex of a metallic point. Right. So what we were doing was we were put using these carbon nanotube films, applying an electric field, oscillating electric field through the ends of the carbon nanotubes, hoping that the uh, electric field at the end will make very small holes, but only at particular points. So the electric field wasn't being so strong that it would destroy all the cells, just small parts. Mm. It was a very, very good idea. Uh, never, ever got never it to worked. work. <laughs> <laughs> Whose idea was it? Uh Nico Volko, one of my oh, yeah. co-supervisors, now working yeah. at uh, Monash, I think, in Melbourne. Yeah, mm. right. I think he's still got the idea that it might work eventually. Hey, look, if you do it enough times, brute force it. An, an AFM tip with a nanotube on it Ooh. attached to a cantilever and then injecting the gene that way. Nice. We've done it. We've done it. And it, your electric field idea is perfect because we have, in fact, at this table made... Conductive AFM carbon nanotube tips. I did Hold that on. too. There's a paper with all of us on it. Yeah. There you go. Mm. Boom. Good. <laughs> and then you can aim directly for the nucleus. No no aim wasting DNA by poking it into the rest of the cell. No wasting that, that precious DNA. There you go. Don't want to waste that DNA. So we go. Great. That's how we do it. Great. We use our transferable science skills. Brilliant. All of us together. I'm a bit rusty, I'll be honest. Can I watch for a bit? <laughs> we, we'll need Ash to make the tips. Oh, yeah. 
Here's a bombshell. I am going to still do science this. <laughs> oh, yeah. Even though I didn't prepare. All right. Oh. Go on then. Go on, mate. And you're taking so, the last spot. My bit of science is combining two bits of reproductive technology. What's that? Well, the penis and the vagina. <laughs> what kind of reproduction do I talk about a lot? The one I talk about a lot in my science this is was. Human cloning. Oh, yeah. A clone of robot giver. There you go. Human cloning. Now, you know what the other bit of technology I'm going to combine that with? Nope. It's called ectogenesis. What e- the ectogenesis? Fuck ectogenesis. Is that some kind of. Uh, it's not from Ghostbusters. Science Arama? What's the science religion? Scientology. Scientology. <laughs> <Science> <laughs> <Arama>. <laughs> <laughs> I love well, the idea that science around <laughs> Scientology oh. is like if you picked up a comic and wanted to make a religion around that, it is very similar to that. So science is a good description. No, ectogenesis is in fact like an external womb. So it's an oh, artificial ah. womb. Yeah, I was looking into these. Yeah. So I was thinking if you combine cloning with an artificial womb, you kind of get the best of both worlds. No one has to carry the baby. Yeah. So it's not hard on the body. That person, whoever it is, can go about um, their daily life while off uh, off in the old ectogenesis chamber. Wherever that's housed, the baby's growing away. Are we talking like a matrix style cylinder with like people growing in it and like like juicy noises happening? I wasn't imagining it quite that communist or industrial. (laughs) Right. But I am a secret communist. (laughs) I think I am. Your mind tends to go towards those sort of processes. Um, I was thinking more be the sort of thing you would, you know, you might cruise along to the doctor and say, here's a cell. Whacker in the chamber. Yeah. I'll see you in nine months. Yeah. Out pops even, another me. You don't even know. Yep. You, d- you don't care how they're grown? No, nope, not too concerned. You're not thinking of like uh, in the movie Alien Or like, a, like a big vat thing. Yeah, a vat. Ooh, yeah, that's not bad. Um, yeah. Or in the Luke's kind of gets repaired in one in the beginning of uh, Empire Strikes Back. After he uh, has that run in with the, the Tauntaun. Not the mm. Tauntaun, that snow monster Tauntaun. thing. Yeah. Papa Tauntaun. Um, so that's that's what I do. Now, the interesting thing about this is there's a disadvantage to lots of cloning and that is genetic diversity goes down. Right. But I think it would be fascinating for, say, you, ex- example, BA or yeah. yourself, Schmoopy, to go along and say, well, so what? Make a hundred of me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Grow me, mofos, and then uh, give away the little fetuses, feti, yeah. uh, to the whoever wants them. You know, make them free, like I you were talking am- about before. I can imagine that if I, if I had a box of 100 gibbos, mm. I'm not sure how quickly... Like, we'd have to do some good copywriting on the marketing material, I reckon, to make it... They'd sell like hotcakes, mate. You reckon? Well, you'd give them away for free, wouldn't you? And then what you could do is you could follow all these clones around the world because they'd be raised in very different environments and yep. finally work out how strong is the genetic component in people's upbringing. Nature nurture. Nature nurture. Really put it to the test. Yep. Boom. Boom. Take that. A lot of science thrown in there. <laughs> Music is provided by the awesome Adelaide-based band Voice Rhyme. Go check out their stuff on their Bandcamp website. Also, remember to subscribe to us on your favourite podcast app, like our Facebook page, join in the forum. Any man on it. Any man on it.
And leave us a review on wherever you get this podcast because, first of all, we like reading them. And secondly, it helps us a lot. Cameron, sponsor for the week. You were just listening to Published Perishable Podcast and it was brought to you this week by our future sponsor, Bubble.is. Yeah. I knew it. If you want to learn how to code without... No, how to make an app without code... Go to Andy's Coding Without Apps. No, Apps Without Coding <laughs> Workshop in Adelaide. In Adelaide. In two weeks' two time. Two weeks' time. I don't Sign know. up for it. Zero tickets sold at the moment. We'll give yeah. it a go. All and right. this podcast is released after that date. <laughs> oh, shit. No, they'll feel it in the energy. It'll be in the air. Everything there. All right, final farewells. Goodbye from goodbye. Goodbye. Bye.